0: Hello and welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by WhoScore.com in association with Ultimate Fan. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by the dynamic duo of George Ellick and Jonathan Wilson. We are of we are here, of course, to run the rule over the Premier League weekend, like we always do. But all season, we've been running through our predictions, lead, doing predictions every single game week. And I have been leading by an absolute mile all season. But something happened last week. Where Sam Ty managed to get twelve points for Jonathan's team, George. Time. Yeah, bout time. George got nine points for his team, and I unfortunately only got three points, so I am now only ten points clear of Jonathan Whoa, and Sam at look the top, one hundred and forty-five to one hundred and thirty-five. Yeah, this is. I'm gonna have to start start taking this seriously now, George.
1: <laughs> well, what's the gap between me and you as
0: well? Oh, you've got one hundred and twenty-one. I'm not concerned about you.
1: What's so what's the gap? 24?
0: 145 to
1: 121. 24,
0: yeah, fine. Yeah, you've got to concentrate on catching Jonathan and Sam.
1: No, no, I think I I basically, my thought on this now is that Jonathan and Sam are gone and it's a race between me and you for second. So I've got to, I've got it because you're going to keep dropping. Oh yeah, you think they're going to win? Yeah, yeah, they're gone. They've won. <laughs> no, I've got to be honest.
0: I've, I've studied the form properly this week. I've not. I've been. I'm messing around, and you've got that that too much of a lead. I've been. I've been messing around, putting three twos in, doing doing silly things this week. I'm a bit more clinical with my predictions. This reminds me
1: of when about five years ago I was in the top thousand of fantasy football in November, so I decided to start taking it really seriously, and from that moment. I basically couldn't get a point, and I just That's what's away. happened to me this season. I
0: was doing really well, and I completely <laughs> fell away. Yeah, but no, you
2: you've
1: asked on last season, basically, aren't
2: you? You've, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, 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 the slenderness of your squad's being exposed by the, the cruel reality of the fixtures.
0: I am on my own, where I thought that was an advantage at the start of the season, but maybe the freshness week to week is helping you two now, rather than and hindering me. That I am just relying on myself and...
2: You say that, but you, you'll note that un- until Sam put in his performance last week, I had three weeks in a row. I think that's probably why the gap's closed, really.
0: Oh, it's, it's, it's a nice analogy. It's a nice analogy. We'll throw it back at Sam next week. And, yeah. uh, I'm just relieved no, no, that no, Ali, no, Ali, Ali, play, Ali, Ali asked
1: me for what, what my predictions were rather than using his own, because that would have been O-D-D. a Oh, did he? Yeah, O-D-D.
2: yeah. O-D-D.
0: Well, mm. Fair play to Ali. Fair play to Ali. It's yeah. a very, very switched on thing to do. Jonathan, you were at AFCON. You're, you're back now. You have a good I time? I am back,
2: yeah. I had a very good time, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Did was, you drink
0: one of the nights?
2: No, because you
0: you sent me a message, giving me your phone number, which I thought was it was a very very nice gesture, and I've not I've you had not asked for it in it. fairness. No, I had not. Yes, oh, he I will get these things on the on the screen. No,
2: I have not. <laughs> when did I ask for your phone number? You, you sent some sarcastic message about you. You weren't good enough to have my phone number, so you couldn't WhatsApp me. You you said that. Uh, That wasn't not me. That's someone else, honestly. (laughs) You just sent it
0: me out of the blue. I was like, what? You replied to a tweet in in, in DMs that I'd tweeted about um, not being allowed to eat Doritos because the Wolves fans were having a go at me. And then you just stuck your mobile number in at the end. But I I never said anything to you. Really? Yeah, it must have been someone else. Oh, so, so somebody now like, desperately needs my number who doesn't have it <laughs> yeah it wasn't me I was like Jonathan trusts me to, to <laughs> have his number Number finally after after three years I thought it was a it was, was a lovely gesture <laughs> but it obviously wasn't meant for me <laughs>
1: no oh well uh, you know we all okay. make mistakes
0: okay and George you were unwell last week
1: oh, Back now. I was unwell until about yeah I mean I was um, ill Thursday I got in early last Thursday morning to record the show feeling terrible. I ended up lying on the floor in, in this room, waiting for mm. us to record. But we ended up not recording. And then by Friday yeah, morning, problems. when the recording actually happened, I was um, not fit for purpose. But yeah, better okay. now. Thank you. I'm one of the illest people I've ever come across here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Heal, well, I'm, I'm heal, heal quite a You lot. say that. It's only been in the last kind of six months. As you maybe we yeah. were together for two years. I was never ill. Um, That's true. So it, to, it just I, feels like
0: since I've been doing this with you, it feels like you're quite ill.
1: I think I think what it is is when you have a child who's at nursery or goes Mm. to nursery, they get ill. They don't have an immune system. So they get ill a lot and then they give it to you.
0: Okay, fine. Let's move away from all that lovely stuff that we've just spoken about then and look at the weekend ahead. Undoubtedly the biggest game is Manchester City against Chelsea. Jonathan, the return of Cole Palmer. One of the the best players to watch in the entirety of the Premier League this season, despite you know not being part of a, of a team that's really been a cohesive unit throughout the whole campaign, they're they're very inconsistent, but he's been marvelously consistent, really.
2: Yeah, he he really has. I think we we might have said this in the previous pod. I think that's one of those deals that seems to work for all parties. That City didn't really need him. Uh, they've got Oscar Bob there for as, as cover, uh, who maybe even be better than him you agree they should struggle to get games, and they're not short of forward players. Um, and they've, they've got themselves 45 million quid and offloaded a player who clearly was desperate to play and, and, and might have become quite unhappy. Uh, Chelsea have got themselves a, a player who... Uh, he's he's clearly been their best attacking player this season, arguably their best player. Um, Very calm, efficient finisher, very good on penalties. Um, He's clearly got an imagination and a brain. Um, I I wonder whether Guardiola had reservations about whether he's slightly too individualistic for the Guardiola style, but at Chelsea so far, that that seems to have helped them. if anything. And, And yeah, Chelsea actually have a young player who is doing what the other young players in the squad are meant to do, that he, he's he's the one young player they've signed who, who really has looked consistently top quality.
0: Is the 23-man Euro squad rule going to hinder him, George? Do you, do you think he'll he'll make the Euro squad? Do you think he should make the Euro
1: squad? I think he definitely should be in with a big chance. I mean, I, I would like him to be there. I, I think it's probably a case where if Gareth Southgate had, had left um his post as England the manager at some point in the last whatever 11 uh, 13 months sorry since um or 14 months since the the world cup in in qatar then i think he'd have a fair chance but i think we're we're in a, in a position now with southgate where and and i personally understand this um that he has his favorites and whatever southgate used to say about players needing to be in form or players needing to be play, needing to play has kind of gone out the window because he's been in the job for however long he's had a few very impressive major tournaments and there are certain players who I don't think a new manager would probably even entertain as being part of the squad Who Southgate would be very very reluctant to drop and that means that players like Cole Palmer who are trying to force their way into the squad um, at this moment also as you mentioned a a smaller squad it makes them harder to get in so yeah I mean I, I think it's a bit of a Coin toss now with Palmer, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if players like him, who the assumption is that their form is going to put them in contention, maybe won't be as close as we think they are. Well, if you if you look at it, there's going to be, you know,
2: Kane and Watkins, injury permitting, will be the two out and out centre forwards, and then you probably want what six of that sort of creative player who can either play off a forward centrally or, or come in from wide. So Saka obviously, Foden obviously. Grealish, if he's fit, probably still. I mean I guess that that that's a that's a question uh, on mm. form. Uh Rashford, if his form I guess I mean I think things have to go pretty badly wrong for Rashford not to get in. Yeah. Uh and, and, and Rashford obviously gives as the advantage he, if if worse comes to worse, he could play as a centre forward rather than coming off the left. So there's maybe two slots available. Does, that, does, Madison. That, does that sound fair? Madison um Anthony Gordon, Palmer. Yes. I
0: would look at it. I would look at it. Is in Palmer the position he plays in? Is he probably up against Foden and Saka?
1: Well, yeah, we have way, Foden it's, as well. Yeah, it's, it's I said, fair. I said we, okay.
0: Foden. I yeah. It's okay. probably fair enough if he if he doesn't get in because I would say they're the two players he's competing with on that side. But Foden can
2: player. play can play right across the front three. right he did, yeah. you know he can play any of those positions. Um. Uh, you know, that's one of his great advantages, his versatility. So, I, I, I don't know. I think he, if, if it is six to go for those, it, might would be it, five. Be, would it be six in a
0: 23.
2: Well, I'm just sort of thinking of 23, you've got three keepers, then two per position. It, it's, yeah. I know it doesn't quite work out like that. You probably take more attacking players because you're more likely to want to bring on an attacking player off the bench. Um, so, it. it
1: but it's, it's, then if, we, if we look at the midfield, it's hard. You know, Rice obviously goes. Bellingham obviously goes.
2: Oh, Bellingham, I guess is the other player who you'd say yeah, could count as one 10. of those six. Yeah, yeah. But
1: then, and, but then, alluding to what I was saying earlier, like I, I personally don't think Henderson or Calvin Phillips should be like even in really in the conversation right now. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure both. Well, I'm pretty sure both will go. Well, I agree I can, with that, but I don't think that
2: really necessarily. necessarily affects Palmer's position because he's, no,
1: he's not. But it depends how many they allocate into that midfield group like how many yeah. midfielders is he going to pick because yeah you know that there's a loyalty element to this which means that he might pick one more set midfielder rather than picking six
2: that, that is true yeah yeah I mean you've got the advantage of Bellingham and possibly even Foden could play deeper again if things went really badly wrong if you had three injuries and a suspension say you could push them deeper Bellingham certainly can and Jack
1: as, as Dan I remember from that glorious championship, championship campaign yeah.
0: Well, Trent will go as a midfielder, surely, as well. I mean, he'll take three or four right-backs only, but Trippier will probably go as backup left-back, and then Trent will probably go as a, as a midfielder, I would think.
2: Uh, okay, so who's your first choice, left-back? Shaw or Chilwell? Will they not both go? I don't
0: think Chilwell will go. I think it would just be Shaw, and then he'll... Because it's a 23-man squad, I yeah. think he'll... I, mean, I mean, we've, turned Shore... this in, we've turned this into an England squad selector show, by the Shore way. Shaw
2: plus Trippier as the two yeah. left-backs.
0: Yeah, and then Walker... And, uh, Walker's plus first trip, yeah. choice right back, obviously. He's yeah. a space doesn't it? if you do that?
2: Reese James. Not I mean, he's obviously not playing at the minute, yeah. so it makes it harder. But Reese James has the advantage. He, he can play at centre-back if you need him to. Levi Colwell, I guess, can play at left-back if you need him to. Yeah, multifunctional.
0: Um, so I think he'll take less defenders, but then he'll still have every area covered, if that makes sense, because Trent will go as a midfielder, but can play right back because of yeah. Colwell, like you've just mentioned. So maybe Palmer, maybe Palmer will get in. The, you can't really get away from the fact that I think, on form in the Premier League as a young English player, I would say he probably deserves it, Jonathan.
2: Uh, I hate I, I, I using the word "deserve" for England. I just don't think that's. How oh, it's I think true. he's
0: done in. Okay, he's, do, he's done. He's done enough to be to be in that 23-man squad so far.
2: No, but I don't. I don't like that way I of looking at it. it. No, you should. You, that's just not how we should conceptualize it. It's a mistake that people always make. You should think of the international squad as being like a club team. And you know, it, it's not sort of a merit award for being good. It's what's the best international team we can pick. And that doesn't necessarily mean picking the 23 players who are in the best form. No, no, I, I It doesn't even necessarily mean you. picking the players in the best form in their positions. It's picking a squad that will have internal coherence, both in terms of how they get on with each other. You know, have a social dynamic, but but also the tactical dynamic. And and you know, what I think Southgate's done really well is one of the things he gets criticised for. I think, actually, the way he's revised and turned over the squad has been very effective. That He has shown loyalty to certain players, perhaps when their form hasn't justified it. But you can't say he's picking the same squad now that he was in 2018 or 2021. He's actually been quite radical in how he's changed it and brought young players in. So, uh, you know, I think you've got to think of it as being like a club side, like a good club side. And I, I, I mean... I'm trying to think of a of a good example of this. Um, uh, I don't know. So some so kid comes through, plays brilliantly. Yeah, you know, does he deserve his call up to Manchester City? Well, that, that's not how it works. Is there a space within the City squad? Will he make City better? And if the answer to that is no, then no matter how well he's playing for yeah, you know, Team X. He doesn't move. He just carries on being good there, and England should be the same. Just because he's playing well for your club doesn't mean you should necessarily get the call up if you're not going to add something to to a squad that's already coherent, already playing pretty well.
0: I, I agree he, with you. I'm a Southgate fan as as well. I agree completely with everything that you've said. I probably maybe I didn't didn't word it well. I, I feel like because Cole Palmer's come the under 21s route as well, which England like. I just feel there there is a, a space for him, and if you do look at what he has done this season, he has been called up recently as well. I personally think he's done enough to have played himself in, into. I mean, the I'd be
2: surprised if if at least one of him and Gordon don't go. I think at, at least one of them probably will go. Or as the, the other thing,
1: in as that, in that a yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, injuries, I guess, have been a problem. But, but yeah. yeah, if he had a good end to the season, that, that that's fair. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, there's also with Palmer. I I, I think you know. Jonathan, you mentioned there that Rashford can play through the middle if needed. I hate Rashford through the middle. I don't think he's kind of it's shown... It's just anything. a last resort, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, yeah. I think Palmer's shown that he can play He as, can
2: do that as well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. That small, I, and Gordon the, can small, do small, it as small small well, actually.
1: yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, I, Gordon's I'm
2: good at it. Did it the 21's last summer, very successful. Hmm.
0: Right. I've derailed the podcast enough. We weren't supposed to even be talking about Cole Palmer. It wasn't even in the running order, (laughs) but I couldn't believe that Manchester City v Chelsea and there was no Cole Palmer in there. So I felt the need to start. And and
2: played very well against City in the game at Sanford Bridge.
0: Did. He was very, very good. He was very good. Let's talk about another player who's played for both clubs, Nathan Ake, George. In the last few years, he's quite clinically and almost under the radar, become a really important part of their back line and, he was backup really initially. He didn't used to play that much, but pretty much every big game now, and including this one, because it's a big game, you expect him to be in Manchester City's 11.
1: Yeah, and he is seemingly now what Pep Guardiola looks for in a centre-back where he is... Um... Fairly dominant in the, you know, in most duels, both in the air and on the ground. He's a very good footballer and he can play fullback and he can play centre back. And that is what Pep seems to like these days. You know, his, if you look on the, the Who's scored page, his starts this season, the basically been split between playing at centre back, uh, left side of centre back, and playing as a, as a left back. And he is always um incredibly efficient at what he does. Like I've been really surprised to see how good a signing he's been for them. Um, But I think we're at the stage now Manchester City where their recruitment is so strong that, um, you know, I think we should basically anticipate that anyone they bring in, even if our preconceptions of them aren't that they are of the level of Manchester City, um, they will probably get there um, playing under Pep. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's ever dependable. um, And, yeah, we've certainly seen over the last couple of seasons that he is is deserving of playing for a side at the the top end of the Premier League, which didn't really seem like the case when he was a, a Chelsea player um previously
0: yeah well they've been busy as well Manchester City Jonathan they've recruited Savio recently to come and join next season from from Girona they also got Echeverra in the in the window just gone as well although he's gone back to to, to his parent club but he'll be there next season you suspect as well (laughs) Jack Grealish is not in the team at the moment albeit he played in the Champions League in midweek but he hasn't started a Premier League game since December Pep always seems to do this weird thing where he did it with Foden a bit last season as well that people forget where he will just leave you out for a sustained period of time, almost willing you to have a massive amount of hunger and desire that when you are in the team, you're going to give 10 out of 10 performances every week. And in fairness, Foden has been brilliant this season after sitting out a lot of the last season. Grealish in his first season didn't play much, but he seems to have gone back to just sitting on the bench for, for, for 90 minutes in games.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's something Guardiola said uh, after the game on uh, Tuesday, and he, you know, with Grealish getting the groin injury, he said, oh, it's a shame because he, he's he's really been... It's, it's, it, what was the f- exact phrase? It was, it was something like he's really been working hard in training the last couple of weeks, implying that he hadn't been before that. And I, I think Guardiola was pretty disappointed with Grealish's summer and some of the uh, pictures of his post-treble celebrations. And I wonder if it's just a sense of Guardiola um, making clear that that absolute commitment to fitness and discipline is is key. And maybe if Grealish hasn't been showing that, he's been able to leave him out because Doku's been so good and because he does have other options. Um, I mean, yeah, Calvin Phillips was saying in that interview in The Guardian that uh, some confusion after the World Cup about exactly when he was meant to report, to report back. And then he'd been, I think it was a kilo and a half overweight. Yeah. Uh, And basically, it sounds like he never recovered from that. The Guardiola just wrote him off for being overweight and and not really being that committed off the back of that. So I I, I think he's... Guardiola's in this very happy position where he can make examples of very good, very high-profile players, and his squad's good enough and his status is good enough that he can get away with it without causing huge ructions. And if a player doesn't like it, as John Cancelo found, they they can leave. Um, So hopefully Grealish... Gets that sorted. I, you know, if it's just a normal groin tweak, what, three weeks, four weeks should be back. And if he can get his fitness back, there's no reason why he, he can't become a regular by the end of the season. I think it's significant that as soon as the Champions League comes around again, he is put in, because I think he is a player who gives you a lot more control than Doc Um, So, uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be writing him off at the minute, but I, I think he's been given a warning that he has to knuckle down and, and, and maybe focus has drifted slightly in the last year.
0: Yeah. What are the chances, George, of, of City repeating the treble? It, it feels to me that they're clicking into gear as we thought they would in, in the second half of, of the season. But just the way they are as a club, you do feel like they could almost win the treble without having to be massively informed because that, that they are that once they're massively informed. That's not right. They can do it without being at their absolute best because they, they are that good. And it, it does feel very possible to me that they could do back to back trebles.
1: Yeah, they, I mean they definitely could. There's no, there's no denying that. I mean they are favourites for all three competitions: uh, the FA Cup, the Champions League, and the Premier League. Now, and they're odds on for the Premier League. I mean the, the one thing about the, the league leagues, it does even though it feels like they are clearly the you know the most likely. There are unlike previous uh, seasons where you know it's normally Liverpool. Last season it was Arsenal. It feels like they have got two proper challenges this time around. With Arsenal certainly looking. If we're talking about how good City look at the moment, Arsenal's return to form has been pretty pronounced as well. Yeah. Um, I also think, and I'm sure you'll laugh at me for thinking this, but I think the away draw at Luton is an incredibly awkward FA Cup draw for them. Like it's that's not an easy game. But like Luton haven't been beaten by more than a solitary goal um, by any of the, the the top teams. So Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Manchester United at home this season. Like that's that's not an easy game for them. And Luton going to that with absolutely nothing to lose whatsoever and have shown the season that at Kennewick Road, they can match even the best. So that's a tricky tie. Um, You know, it's it's eminently possible. It's probably not probable, but I I wouldn't be betting against it given the way they're playing right now. And, and, you know, City, when they get into their groove, we've seen them go on these crazy runs before. Um, And with the Champions League, I'm always a little bit reticent to, you know, a a league title is what Pep Guardiola is, is absolutely unbelievable at pulling off because... Over the course of the season, his teams are, are generally the best coach. they are normally got the best squads and that and that will result over a period of 40 odd games in, in in winning a league. In the Champions League, his record away from home generally isn't great. Um, and even performances often on the road in, in Europe aren't particularly good. And that dates back to Barcelona and, and by Munich as well. And even in the Champions League final last year, like against Inter, they were they were pretty poor in the game. Like they they certainly didn't roll over Inter in the way that we many of us expected them to. Um, but having said that, you know they, they went to Copenhagen in midweek. They exerted a lot of control in that game, albeit they conceded an equaliser, having having gone ahead early. Um, but that is always my nagging doubt, and I think that's the reason why Pep hasn't won as many um, Champions League trophies as maybe you'd anticipate. Given the you know, he's the anti Ancelotti um, in terms of the, when you look at the the ways that the trophies are fallen in both of their careers. Um, and I think the main reason for that is often if there is a weakness to City, it's their performances don't so you can see on the road, can you? Uh the performances after a flight in the, in Europe.
0: I mean, we wouldn't laugh at you for that Luton statement, but we are still laughing at you for saying Brighton we're gonna win the league back in September. We're definitely I said, they, I said we couldn't still rule it out, was all it. I said,
1: Dan. Okay. So we still <laughs> can
0: Yeah, I think can, we might be able, we might <laughs> be able to rule that one out now. Jonathan, let's go back to Chelsea. Let's talk talk goalkeepers. And I'm quite pleased with this being in there actually, because it's something something that I've thought watching Chelsea in the last month or so. They haven't had a good keeper for a while, Chelsea, it's felt. Petrovic has been very impressive, look, looks very assured, good good with his feet, nice size about him, quite commanding, decent shot-stopper as well. He's been very good and he's definitely an upgrade on, on Sanchez, who was number one at the start of the season.
2: Yeah, definitely is. I, I, yeah, I mean, the fact that you don't really think about Chelsea's keeper anymore suggests how good he's been. Um, the, of all the many problems Chelsea have, and, and OK, some of them may be slowly beginning to be resolved, yeah, keepers keepers not one of them now. Um so yeah, he he looks like a a really good signing. Um and yeah, Sanchez yeah, he's one of those keepers you you always every time a ball went in the box, you thought, mm-hmm, there's something gonna happen here. Um so yeah, he's he's uh yeah, you you explained it very well. He he That's is very good. Early. There we go.
0: I've done done your job for you, Jonathan. Tiago Silver, George. Looks like he's going to be out for the for the, for the rest of the season. Is this the end of Thiago Silva in, in in top level football? I mean, his durability has been absolutely sensational. We've got a, a graphic here about his season upon up season ratings. Actually, this season is his lowest rating for in seven seasons. So, you know, Chelsea relying on him quite heavily He really is their only player of of any real experience in there. But this injury, do, do you think that's the end of him in the Premier League in Chelsea?
1: Obviously, from an age point of view, you, you wouldn't think he's got long left at what thirty nine. Um, but he's, he's one of the only Premier
0: League like, players that's older than me, so that's you know that tells you everything. But he's
1: he's been almost ever present this season. I think he's only missed one game, and that was uh, a Goodison Park. This is in the league and um, rather than cups, but a Goodison Park back in uh, when was it? Yeah, back in December, um, which they lost two 0 So in terms of like. You know, you mentioned his durability. He's still playing consistently ninety minutes, basically week in, week out. So I, I don't think you could rule out him, whether it's at Chelsea or somewhere else. You know, maintaining a if he wanted to, uh, a top flight career. Now, I mean, it, it's clearly an unbelievable career so far, and and he's been a, a pretty shrewd signing from Chelsea. Um, albeit he's been part of a team this season, and you know, for the most part in his time there, that have chronically underachieved. But I, I don't think we can put too much of that blame down to, down to Thiago.
0: No. We've got a combined 11 here, Manchester City against Chelsea. Jonathan, how many Chelsea players do you think have made the 11?
1: I mean,
2: there shouldn't be any. Um, You're going to be upset then? Two.
0: Two? George, what do you think?
1: You throw me off with that comment. Uh, Surely not a three. I mean, I'd I'd say two as well.
0: Three. three. It is three. It's a it's a legacy four four two. You're not going to like the central midfield at at oh, all the, no. the way it's been the, the makeup of the central midfield. You will it's not. Palmer central midfield. I can take no worse than that. No no, it's not worse than that. But do, it just wouldn't happen basically the four four two that that they've gone with here. But do you want to have a, have a stab at the the three Chelsea players? Palmer, Palmer's obviously one. Yep.
2: Yeah. Petrovic.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well done, Jonathan. Very on
2: vogue there. Uh, well, I just know that Edison's rating is really low for some reason, unexpectedly low. Um... Um...
0: Malo Gusto?
1: Yeah, I was going to say that.
0: Not Gusto, but the play, one of you has m- mentioned this player already in the show. I think it was you, Jonathan. When <laughs> we were talking about England. Chilwell? No. Right, we can't do this forever. It's oh, Le- uh, Levi v- Colwell. Vise, Vise James no, Colwell. Levi Colwell. Levi Colwell's playing left-back. So we've got Petrovic in goal with 6.76. Kyle Walker, 6.78. Ruben Diaz, 6.72. Nathan Ake, 6.74. And Levi Colwell at left-back, 6.82. Actually, the highest rated of the defenders there. We've got four midfielders. So we've got Cole Palmer with 7.09 on the right. with with 7.44 on the left. A central midfielder of Rodri, 7.54, and then Phil Foden, 7.37. Inexplicable for me why I did the wingers before I did the central midfielders. That makes absolutely no sense at all. And then we've got a front two of Alvarez and Haaland. Alvarez is on 7.29, Haaland on 7.52. So I think that makes Rodri the highest-rated player in the whole 11. But yeah, you wouldn't... I don't think you'd get away with Foden and Rodri in the midfield too. But it's a nice team other than that met with silence neither of them are very pleased with that team at all (laughs) what do you think the score is going to be then in this one Chelsea have won a few games recently I was at one of the games that they won unfortunately as well I've gone for 3-0 to Manchester City taking predictions more seriously this week Jonathan 2-0 to Manchester
2: City
0: 2-0 to Manchester City George 3-1 to City 3-1 Cole Palmer on the score sheet George someone on the score sheet don't mind Penalty. penalty penalty Cole Palmer if I had to bet on Chelsea scoring that would be my bet the edge of the box podcast is sponsored by ultimate fan the perfect blend of fantasy football and ultimate team using packs to build the ultimate squad and trying to win some great prizes along the way you do of course have to be 18 or over to take part in the game there's more information in the description below so if it sounds like something you'd be interested check it out and thanks to the guys for sponsoring the show The next game we're going to talk about is Sheffield United against Brighton. And how big was that win for Sheffield United last week at Luton, Georgia? The Premier League, it does make me laugh sometimes. Sheffield United get humbled by Villa 5-0. Luton hit a bit of form. You think Luton will win that game. Sheffield United go in there and and put in probably their best performance of the season and come away with the points.
1: Yeah, it's a a massive, massive win. um, Because even though it still remains very improbable that um, Sheffield United will, will stay up this season in terms of both showing, you know, that e- even though the, the result against Villa was obviously a poor one, they have shown some glimpses in performances recently under Chris Wilder. I, I personally would say that they're a better team now, or they're operating at a higher level now than they were, um, under, under Hecky towards the end of that reign. And... hello, you, you,
0: you, you yeah, Hecke? he's mate,
1: he's yeah. a mate, okay. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think what I call Wilder, wild thing. Um, but it's a hey, that's that's <laughs> Gareth Ainsworth. Um, but it's yeah, I mean, and, and then also if Luton win win that win the uh, the game against uh, against Sheffield United as well, then the gap between the, eventually right now with with Luton 17th, they're the team that, that Sheffield United are trying to chase down. So I don't, you can really overstate the importance. It, it basically, the, the 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 reverse of this result if if Luton beat Sheffield United 3-1. I think we're we're getting quite close to consigning Sheffield United to, um, or at least their survival bid. to, um, uh, You know, it, it wouldn't be on, it wouldn't be happening. They're, they're basically consigned to relegation. So yeah, really important um, for them. It, you know, it, it still looks very difficult, when you look at the Premier League table now compared to how it looked, say the kind of end of October for, for Luton, for Burnley and for Sheffield United, I think they probably all would, would have taken where they are now, or maybe not Burnley, but in terms of being still just about in touch um, with a couple of teams also in the mix. You know, Everton, who he assumed to pull away with, with relative ease uh, and, and not playing particularly well at the moment. Forrest under under Nuno, um, I think, are trending in, in the wrong direction. Uh, Crystal Palace, certainly another one where I think the fan base are incredibly twitchy that they could get relegated if, if they don't make a decision to, to change management. So, yeah, uh, in short, a, a massive result.
0: Yeah, seven points from safety at the moment, Sheffield United. And even worse than that is, according to who scored in the, the top 10 lowest rated teams in Europe's top five leagues, Sheffield United are top of that with, with 6.37. So they won't like hearing that. So seven points from safety, as I said, Jonathan. Do you give Wild Thing any chance of keeping them up?
1: Well,
2: I mean, they've taken eight points from 10 games under him, which is an improvement on uh, 5 and 14 under under Heckingbottom. okay Um yeah. But if you average 0.8 of a game over the season, then you end up with, uh, ooh, uh, you get, what's so that, 31 points, um, which probably isn't enough to keep you up. So they're starting from a bad place and they're not getting points at a quick enough rate. Realistically, and, and I, I guess this season is different because it's going to be at least one points deduction, possibly two. Um, they probably need... Uh, or 32, 33 points to have a chance. So we've got to get 20 points in the next 14 games. Is that possible? It's hard. Hmm. Um, I, I mean, it would be miraculous if it came back, but it's 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 more possible now than it was before they played Luton. Yeah. Didn't they snatch a point at, at Brighton? Have
0: I, have I imagined that as a game that they did okay in? recently. I'm I'm pretty sure they did, and of course, the way the fixtures are, it's a game that's come around quite quite fast. Let's yeah, talk about or... yeah one or let let's talk about Pascal Gross then. he one of the most underrated players in the in the Premier League, George, because he was signed for three million in in 2017. Been at Brighton, you know, actually that's quite unheard of that a player signs and then stays at Brighton for for as long as he has. He's played multiple positions for them over the years, but just a, a very consistent operator and a and a player that does seem to go under the radar a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, he, as you say, he's versatile in terms of where he can play. He's absolutely brilliant for, for the way the Brighton want to play, where he is um, very, very tidy on the ball. When they dominate possession, he's normally the midfielder who plays a little bit further forward than Gilmore, but, but can kind of dictate alongside him, but also create from from deep and from advanced areas. He's a big goal threat. His set pieces are good you know i don't know if he's one of the most underrated players in the league but i think he's certainly one of the best there's a transfer business of players who are currently playing in the league you know to pick up a player for that fee who's currently operating at the level that he is and and at 32 as well in a Brighton side that have a lot of young talent in it. Um, he's certainly someone who can bring up a little bit of experience and know-how into the, into the squad too. So he's a player that I love watching. Um, you know, he always those very accomplished ball players that are always good to watch. Um, yeah, maybe he doesn't get the credit he, de- he deserves, but he's been a, a big part of the success story that Brighton has been over the last, um, well, since he joined really, back in, in 2017.
0: Well, he's the third highest-rated central midfielder in the Premier League at the, at the moment. Jonathan, do you want to have a, a guess at the two? They're ahead of him. Audrey? Yep, he's top. 7.54 as we know. Rice? Yep, Rice, 7.31. And then Gross is beneath them, 7.27. Erdegaard is fourth on 7.22. Ross Barkley? Fifth, seven point two zero, and then sixth is Douglas Louise. Seventh, Bruno. Eighth, James Ward Prowse. Ninth, Jao Paulenia. And tenth is Shabozla. Nice little list there. Some, some 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 good players in there. Fair play to Ross Barkley as well. I think he's been been tremendous this season. That's probably a topic for another day. Or it might have even been one that we did last week. I did so many podcasts and shows. I can't remember whether it was on this one <laughs> we we spoke about R- R- Ross Barkley. Evan Ferguson's a exciting young player, Jonathan. Started the season with a bang, scoring a hat-trick against Newcastle. And it feels like I haven't really seen him. Now, I can't profess to watch every single Brighton game because I don't. But I feel like I'm not seeing him and he hasn't scored since November.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's only completed the 90 minutes three times this season, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is probably deserve his plan, I think. I mean, I, I was at that Newcastle game when he was sensational. It was one of the goals in particular where he, he, he got it, I don't know, 30 yards out and basically turned and assessed the options incredibly quickly and side-footed the ball in the bottom corner in a way the keeper had no chance. And you sort of thought, yeah, that, I mean, that's just, just the, the the capacity to assess his options that quickly and take the, the sort of lowest tariff difficulty one um, when, you know, you wouldn't think from 30 yards out side was necessarily the best thing to do, but it clearly was. I don't think there's any doubting his talent. I don't think it's a surprise if young players occasionally have a slight plateau in the development. Jean-Pedro is clearly doing really well for, for Brighton, so he's taking more of the attention, um, maybe getting more of the minutes. Um, and Brighton's form generally has is, is dipped away slightly, which, I guess, I guess, I mean, which is understandable again with, with Europe, with squads, the very young squad anyway, maybe not quite um, as deep as you need to, to, to really go for it in, in the Premier League and, and the Europa League. Um, so I, I, I don't think it's Anything to panic about? Um, I, I'm sure. I have no doubt he'll be, barring injury, he'll he'll be a, an excellent Premier League forward for a long time.
0: Yeah, this is another one for you, Jonathan, because I know you've you've been at Afcon. Simon Adingra is coming back from Afcon duty. Two assists in the final. Obviously, it was Sebastian Haller that got the headlines, but actually, Adingra's 90th minute equaliser in, in the quarterfinals was very, very important in that run. For them,
2: another attacking option coming back to the fore. Oh, he's really good. Like Really, really top player. Um, you know, I, I, Ivory Coast was, a, in many ways, a shambles. That's, you would never set out to win a tournament like that, losing two games in a group of stage, sacking your coach. And uh, sacking Jean-Louis Gasset was clearly the right thing to do. Um, and appointing MS5 was the only thing they could do. And it, it definitely they would not have won that tournament under Gassé. But if I were Gassé, I would Gassé support, I'd be going, yeah, well, hang on. I, I didn't have Allah. Allah was out for the entire group stage. Adigma was out for the entire group stage. So the two most important attacking players, I, he, he didn't have didn't have the option of using them. Um, so when, I mean, Aller didn't start, I think both of them, their first start was a the semi-final. They both came off the bench in the last 16 and the, the quarters. And both of them, when they came on, made a huge difference. Allaire's movement is, you know, his, his strength strength to hold the ball up, but a thing was pace, his directness, and um, I mean the, the first assist in the final was was a corner, but you know his delivery from corners was was good as soon as they started letting him take them, uh, which happened I think it was midway through the semi final they finally cracked and said you know okay you can take them, and the the delivery improved, um, but that little little burst of pace to beat was it he beat I think. Uh, and then put in the cross for alert to get the winner. Yeah, he'd been doing that sort of thing all game. So, yeah, he's a he's a great talent. He's got great pace. He's a good deliverer of the ball, and, and he can finish. I mean, um, he scored that very strange goal against Liverpool, didn't he, when um, Alisson got caught a position. He, he had the awareness to sort of roll it in for 25 yards. So he's a very, very bright player, very smart, sees the game well. I, I, I think he's an enormous talent.
0: High football IQ, I believe, is the... The buzz phrase that gets used for for that type of player now probably not not one that you use yourself,
2: Jonathan. When you when you when you're writing, but I believe that's the, the phrase. I'm, would you put I'm that? Very, would
0: you that in an article?
2: I'm very uneasy about the whole notion of IQ tests. I think they're they're very uh, Just generally. social Yeah, because I, 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 I think inevitably they're, they're, they 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 cannot but be influenced by the, the the social conditions in which they're they're generated, and if if you're then giving that test to people from outside that's... That social environment, the inevitably, those people—you know—those people will will find them much harder.
0: Well, let's not go too much into detail on this because you'll know that there's a, a podcast upcoming called Wilson's List. I mean, Sorry <laughs> that Jonathan and I will be working on soon. Now I've got his murder. You'd, you'd, uh,
2: you'd never guess that my mistress has just started a psychology degree and her first module is on IQ tests. So <laughs> I'm, I'm literally as powerless as I was told at lunch yesterday. Oh, you might <laughs> remember
0: it if that if, if that is what. what I'm doing, sure yeah.
2: she she put it much more eloquently than I've just done. But. No. But yeah, we will be discussing such topics on
0: Wilson's list, so do watch out for that, that fresh <laughs> podcast that's coming up soon. George, what's the what's the score going to be? Sheffield United against Brighton. What have you gone for?
1: I have gone for Sheffield United one, Brighton three. That's
0: exactly the same as I've gone for. To people with no. football high, high prediction IQ, there with 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 those predictions, Jonathan. I've gone two one to Brighton. 2-1 to Brighton. Right, let's let's do the rest of our, our predictions now. Let's get, get them out of the way. I'm fed up with them. It's been a bad bad start to 2024. Former. Brentford v Liverpool, Jonathan. 2-1 Liverpool. Exactly the same as me. 2-1 Exactly the same as me. Yeah. Okay. What nice. Pointless game. I might as well not yeah. play it. <laughs> Burnley <laughs> against Arsenal, I've gone for 3-0 to Arsenal, George.
1: 3-0 Arsenal, this is a disgrace. Oh dear, yeah,
0: Great. I've took you seriously this week, you say so I'm messing you're around. Just me. so just doing, you just copied me. That's worrying you, for you, isn't it?
1: I didn't know what you'd put. I know I'm saying it's yeah. worrying for you, though, that you've taken it seriously and you're just mirroring oh, my picks. Cause you did that
0: okay last week. No I'm, I'm, I'm 24 though. behind yeah. you. you so. got nine points last week, so you know, you're one of the four and players in, in the game <laughs> of three, Jonathan. 2-0 uh, to Arsenal. Two to it could be a good way for Jonathan here because it <laughs> in the same <side. laughs> or oh, a <laughs> terrible week oh a terrible week yeah uh Fulham against Villa Jonathan one one bloody hell I've gone for one one as uh, as well, George. Two one Fulham. Two one to Fulham getting the bin, George like. Ellack. Uh Newcastle against Bournemouth, George.
1: Three one Newcastle.
0: Three one to Newcastle. I've gone for two two, Jonathan. Two one to Newcastle. 2-1 to Newcastle, Forest against West Ham, Jonathan. Uh 2-1 to Forest. 2-1 to Forest,
1: George.
0: Nil 0 Nil nil, I've gone for 1-1. Spurs against Wolves, I've gone for 3-1 to Tottenham, George. 2-1 Tottenham. 2-1 Tottenham, Jonathan. See 2-1, 2-1 Tottenham. 2-1 to Tottenham. City against Chelsea and Sheffield United against Brighton we've already done. Luton v Manchester United, George Homewin.
2: Home win 2 1 yeah two one two one Newton Jonathan, uh, 2 1 Manchester United, almost certainly Scott McTominay winner in the 84th uh, minute. Oh,
1: he's
2: just so,
0: oh, he's just so, oh, so, so upset
2: by Sunday,
0: so upset devastating. Why can't Villa play against Manchester United? I don't understand them. you like, played it, right? Good. Yeah, I know, but why can't we ever beat them? It doesn't matter what we do. We mm. never can beat them. At Villa Park, it's horrible. I hate them, but I have predicted them to, to win at Luton 2-1 <laughs> in a similar... Luton will probably dominated that game and Manchester United win 2-1, like Jonathan says, with a McTominay winner. Final prediction then, Everton against Palace. Uh, Jonathan, you go first.
2: I mean, I think anybody who's able to watch the full 90 minutes of that game it's a Monday game, yeah. I'm gonna get I'm one nil Everton, but I mean, just tell me the result and choose them on and don't, don't make me watch it. Oh, they they played each other nil. in the cup, didn't they? Yeah, that, yeah. that was, was, a was awful cup game, yeah, on a Thursday yeah. night. It was yeah.
0: Brutal, yeah, yeah, I've gone for one nil to Everton as well, George.
1: I've gone for one nil to Everton,
2: okay. Well, a bit of- I yeah. mean, that that's a game they really shouldn't bother playing, like, right? no. nobody yeah. benefits from that game being played. No, there, oh, yeah, that's a, what
0: oh, is that on a Monday? I bet Gary Neville's not at on that one. You know, when they get other people in on a Monday, as they did this Monday, Gary Neville won't be doing that. Everton against Palace, not not worth his time. Let's talk about West Ham then in the team in focus, finishing 2023 strongly they did. And I've always been a big advocate of David Moyes at West Ham, George, but it's fair to say I've won in any of their last seven matches across all competitions. 2024 has not been a good start.
1: No, it hasn't. Um, I mean, David Moyes would say, "Hold on, have a look at the league table. We're, we're still 8 Yes. Um, you know, we're, we're one point ahead of. You know, it, it's an interesting discussion that I've seen on on Twitter over the last week or so, is how <laughs> if you look at the, the you know the Premier League table and you see that um, Roberto De Zerbi's Brighton, are, are one point behind West Ham, and De Zerbi is being linked to the Barcelona job. He's been linked to the Liverpool job, and then you look at um West Ham one point above them and the conversation is is, is David Moyes going to last the season? Is, is Moyes going to become under pressure? And obviously that is a, a very reductive way of looking at it. And, and there's no denying that Deserby for, for a multitude of reasons will be a far more attractive proposition to a, an elite club. Um but every time West Ham go through a, a bit of a slip it feels like the the kind of the knives are, are are out and ready for for David Moyes. Um which I think is unfair. You know it's it's really difficult and it's a it's a similar conversation to the one with Hodgson and Palace. Where, if you're a West Ham fan, what, what do you want? Like, what is the number one priority of of in your mind of uh, for West Ham United Football Club? Do you want to um, finish as high as you possibly can in the table? Do you want to develop young players? Do you want to be entertained? Because I'm not necessarily convinced that all can be true. Like, I, I'm not convinced that if you are a West Ham, you can necessarily. Look to overachieve, whilst also developing young talent, whilst also playing in a certain way. And David Moyes is one of the few pragmatists left in, uh, in in the Premier League, where you know his approach to to games against um, the best teams in the league, I personally find really confusing. Uh, where consistently we see them basically employ eleven men behind the ball against those clubs, and it's basically a case of like we're going to try and hold on to uh, our you know, parity for as long as possible. We know that we're good in the counter-attacks. So we'll try and maximise those opportunities when we can. But, you know, it doesn't work that often. Yes, they went to Arsenal, they beat them 2-0. Yes, they went to, to Spurs and beat them 2-1 this season. But we've also seen them get an absolutely one-up, 6-0, 4-1, 3-0, 3-1 and 3-1. Like, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't strike me as a, as a particularly sustainable way of of looking to to yield points, even though they've got two wins this season. It's been over the course of, of, of his reign there. So, um, yeah. It's it's a difficult run of form. I'm sure they will bounce back, and I, I think Moyes for the most part does a does a magnificent job there. But it, it's whether the the job he's doing is the job that actually is wanted. Um, that I think is the big question.
0: Also, the contract situation is probably not doing anyone any favors. It's unclear whether he's going to get a new deal and uh, and be there next season. But I must think at times, Jonathan. I, I listen I listened to a the, the Monday Night Club on on BBC the other night. And they had had a West fan, West Ham fan on talking. I felt like they needed a, a little bit of a a reality check. Some West Ham fans. They finished sixth, seventh, won a European trophy, gone a long way in, in the Europa the year before they won the Europa Conference League. These are the best times I think West Ham have had since I've followed football. And yet people yeah, get mean, on David Moyes' back.
2: They they won won the Cup Winners' Cup, uh, when was it, mid-60s? No, I wasn't born, um, wasn't accusing you of having been born then. Okay. Um, they finished third in the league... 85-6, was it? Um, but, uh, you yeah, know, they're, they're the two highlights. And then it's now. It must yeah. be now. I, be. I guess there's a there's maybe a... It's different to the 80s in that in 85-6, there was definitely for part of the season a sense that they they actually could win the league. It wasn't a totally ludicrous thing to think that a club of West Ham Stature could win the league. Um, that, you know, we'd seen... Um, I know Villa historically a bigger club but Villa winning the league five years earlier uh, you'd had Forrest winning the league uh, four years before that three years before that sorry um, Derby winning the league within living memory so it was possible for those sort of mid-ranking clubs or, or non sort of uh, absolute elite clubs to win the league but now I know Leicester did it but Leicester is a, a freak that will never be repeated it, you know Leicester sort of a very useful thing for the the big six to say oh look you know anybody can win the league no they can't it was a complete freak Uh, I'm not saying they didn't deserve it they did at that season but it's not going to happen again and I think maybe there's a bit of frustration on the part of fans of of a West Ham that even though they're finishing sixth seventh they know they're a million miles of winning the league and always will be a million miles of winning the league and so what 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 is the point what what do you want and i guess what you then want is attractive football or football that feels innovative or football that, that sort of gives you joy um and Moise's football i mean if it wins i guess it gives you joy but it, there's but not otherwise not a huge amount to to take away from it um i think the other i mean it, i guess it's linked to, to how he sets up against big teams but if you look at West Ham, it was it was certainly when he was Sunderland manager as well. But number of times that his team would, would get to a good position after an hour in the game, be 1-0 up or drawing in a game they wouldn't necessarily be expecting getting and out of. And then they'd retreat and retreat and retreat and concede later on. Like, West Ham conceded a lot of late goals. Sunderland conceded a lot of late goals under Moyes. And I think it's the, the fault of that type of football. I think you can't play that 11 men behind the ball football that you could play when he was at Everton. Um... I think modern football just the way the laws are, the way opponents set up, it's it's very hard to get get away with that. So I, I understand there's a frustration there, but you're right. This this is this is one of West Ham's three golden ages, um, and, and it's very odd that the sort of soundtrack to that has been frustration. I mean. I mean, there is a caveat with
0: their form at the moment. With with Lucas Pakitar starting, that's 24 games, it says, and they've won 16, drawn three and lost five. Without him, they've won one, drawn four and lost six. So, you know, the win rate is 66.7% with Pakitar in the team, George. It's just 9.1% without him. And Jonathan mentions the the type of of football and the the way they set up. But when you do have a player like that in your team, even when you are playing slightly more negative football, he will make things better.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and I think a player like him also enables you to, for at least periods of the game, um, exert some control uh, a a, a bit further forward because, um, you know, he was talking earlier in the show about Manchester City's recruitment. Like City were were very keen to bring him in um, in the summer. Wouldn't be a massive surprise to me if they came back in for him this summer. And if it's Manchester City are interested in your player, it probably means that there's something about them. Um, Paco
0: is high you. football, like
1: yeah, yeah. But he, you know, he was he was a massive coup when West Ham brought him in. You know, he was a Brazilian international. He didn't necessarily set the world on fire last season. Um, he was pretty good in the World Cup for for Brazil. Um, what was a disappointing campaign for them? But this season, he's really shown how good he can be. Um, and you know, it, it's no surprise that. Him coming out of the side in his absence um, coincides with a, or not coincides, but you know, is is a direct cause of a, of, of a drop off in in terms of, of points tally. But it comes down to again what Jonathan was saying in terms of the, the, the style of play that we see from West Ham and David Moyes, where when you've got Pakitar, when you've got Kudus, you know these are players who you, you can still play a counter attacking style, uh, an attacking style that's heavy in transition that I think would suit their squad, without it being. Just so passive out of possession, um, and and I think that is probably the blueprint for for success for West Ham to take them beyond where they currently are, and, and it's necessarily something that we see from from Moyes' side, who who's, you know their, their their lack of pressing is is so out of fashion at the moment in in football that it's kind of jarring when you see it on display.
2: Do you
0: think he'll be there next
2: season, Jonathan?
0: If you had to, to put money on it, do you think David Moyes will be the West Ham manager next season?
2: I think I'd be slightly surprised. I mean, I don't know. There's two ways of looking at it. If Say they go out of the Europa League you know, soon. Um, I know they're not involved uh, this playoff round because they, they finished top of their group. Um, say they go out of that soon. Say they sort of dribble along and finish 10th. I don't think that's a terrible season by any means, but I don't think that's enough to keep him. At the same time, if you win the Europa League, what, what better way? How's it ever going to get better for him? So from his point mm. of view, I, I think, that would be a, a good a good place to leave. Um, so yeah, it's. I, I think if a club is going to progress, they probably need a change of approach. But then, yeah, they found out last time when they got rid of him that the grass isn't always greener. And, and doing what he's doing, keeping them the top half, is actually an achievement. It's 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 hard to do. And where would they go?
0: I can't, I can't obviously, the market managerial market may look a lot different in the summer, but at the moment, I wouldn't be able to put my finger on where they would go for a, the next manager. Well, there's going
2: to be a lot of managers available in the summer, aren't there? There's, there's going to be a big merry-go-round. Um, so you wonder, I mean, I don't know, maybe this is a bit too ambitious, but say Tuchel leaves Bayern, where's he going to go? And Surely not West Ham. Well, why not? I don't think it's a, a big enough
0: job for him. But
2: Okay, but w- what, what club... But he's big enough. Is is going to be going to have a vacancy and want him? he he he. he,
1: he Manchester essentially, United, perhaps. Maybe, but that's a, it's
2: a big change. Uh, Newcastle. Surely, so. surely they,
1: surely they've put a call in to, to Jose already, haven't they? And Who? West Standard Ham, man, yeah. West Ham.
0: That guy I just don't know that. I feel I don't know. I just don't feel the fans would welcome that for some reason.
2: It's got in my head, they just wouldn't welcome it. I mean, say,
1: get, get yourself in the conference league and then we'll talk.
2: Yeah, <laughs> a, a Chelsea and Tottenham cast off going to West Ham. I'm not sure that's uh,
1: well, that I mean, back in the day, that... you'd think that was true, but now you know, when you see, Chelsea, I suppose, I, um, I, suppose, um, I suppose, manager's yeah. every but yeah,
0: Potter. I don't know, I'm just trying to think. Where's the where's Potter's the
1: Potter Potter the keeper. There? I don't, again,
0: mm. I think the way... From listening to that West Ham fan on, on BBC the other night, I just think they've got ideas above that. They would be underwhelmed with that type of appointment, a Potter or a Cooper, as much as I think they're both good managers. I think West Ham mm. fans, again, I don't think they'd welcome that. I'm what, not sure uh, West what Ham what fans... When you see where the they're recruiting players ambition. from,
1: like, who, who is a manager on par with Pakatar and Kudus? Like, it, it's not Steve Cooper, is it? It's it's like... A, it's it's kind of an Unai Emery style appointment, like someone oh, who's steady on George, it's not, about not not Unai Emery, but like some no. someone who has managed, you know, who's won trophies, who's managed a lot in European competition, who's got a, a ceiling that could see them being a, an elite manager themselves. You know that that seems to be kind of the blueprint. But whether that ten Hag, if you get kicked out United, yeah,
2: maybe. I'll
0: Tell you who I think. Pep exactly.
2: Linders if he if he does actually leave Liverpool?
0: I'm not sure. It's unknown, isn't it? You don't know. You don't know how good he is. Now who I think would be a reasonable appointment and I think he's a very underrated manager, Marco Silva.
1: Yeah, but that's it's it's too um sensible.
2: Yeah. And also I'm just not sure if you're Marco Silva, you're doing really well at Fulham now. You're not thinking, you know, I can do a bit better than West Ham. I think West Ham are
0: an attractive club, big stadium, London, playing playing European football. This Wonder is the West Ham paradox, got isn't good it? Players. Like
1: all the people at West Ham will want, will look at West Ham and think, "No, I can do better." <laughs> I don't know.
0: I think it's a maybe. I'm being influenced by the fact that I'm managing them in Football Manager 24 at the, at the moment. I think they're a, a an attractive club.
2: I'm not saying well, they're not attractive. i is- just, I just think if you're if you're doing if you're doing well at Fulham. And you're popular at Fulham. I mean, obviously, it depends to an extent on, on what resources are there at Fulham to improve. Oh, the it's score, a massive step up. You're going from, like, you know, 13th to 10th in the Premier League or something. Is that a big step up? Mm,
0: I don't know if a better than 10th, I would say. 13th and 9th 40, in the 10th, Premier League. Maybe not. 8th ninth. 9th. Well, they're 8th at the moment, aren't they? I mean, this is... West Ham managerial list will be on Wilson's lists, a podcast coming (laughs) soon on on all good podcasts, black (laughs) podcast platforms. Right, then let's call it a day. We're we're nearly up for time. Thanks very much to you both for joining me. It's been a pleasure as always. Thank you for watching or listening wherever you are taking in this podcast. And wherever you are taking in, please like, subscribe, comment, do all the things that help the podcast grow. We'll be back next week. Yes, we will be back next week because there is still Premier League games. The FA Cup ones are in midweek, aren't they? So, yes, Premier League preview back next week, as always. Thanks to Ultimate Fan for sponsoring us. Enjoy all the football at the weekend and tell all your friends and your family about the show.